Loving God, what wonderful words we have just sung. How good it is to be able to believe them that they are meant for each and every one of us that no one stands outside of your love and mercy and grace. Lord, will you remind us of that anew as we hear your word. Make it clear to us the message that you have for us this day, and our hearts will be filled with gratitude. Amen. I want to welcome everyone in worship today, whether you are online, in the community center, or here in the sanctuary. Especially if you are a visitor, we want to give you a very warm welcome and thank you for sharing worship with us this day and we hope that you will return. In the passage that I'm going to read, the resurrected Jesus appears to the disciples for the third time. He stands on shore and he's watching them as they have been fishing all night and catching nothing. And then he directs them to put the line on the other side of the boat and they catch a lot of fish. And suddenly they remember another occasion like that and they recognize who Jesus is. When they have gathered together, Jesus makes them breakfast. After breakfast, we have this very compelling dialogue between Jesus and Peter as Jesus speaks privately to him. And I would like you to keep in mind the scripture that Jane read as you hear this one because I think it makes the song that we sang, Amazing Grace, My Chains Are Gone, particularly meaningful. Hear the word of God. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things you know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Well, I have a confession to make. One of my favorite things to do on a Sunday morning vacation day is to go to the local Starbucks. I admit it, I'm hooked. I buy a grande, non-fat, caramel macchiato <laughs> remember that just in case because I also like to drink them during the week <laughs> and I buy the Seattle Times which I then read cover to cover although I must admit my very favorite parts are the comics the travel and entertainment section the ads and the magazine inserts 
So it was two weeks ago when I had such a day and came across the Pacific Northwest insert, July 12, 2010. This is what it looked like. How many of you have seen this? Good, because I want to highlight it this day. There on the cover, just as bold as can be, are pictures from the Jubilee Reach Center. With faith and volunteers, the Jubilee reaches out to one and to all. Now, I must confess again that I was a little skeptical that this article was going to be very brief and was certainly going to skim over any issues of faith. When I quickly read the article, all six pages, I was moved to tears. Isn't that wonderful? It was so touching, so tender, and so accurate. One story of transformation after another. The only explanation could be the full-blown movement of the Holy Spirit. If you haven't seen it, there's a link to it on our website. Do yourself a favor, even if you have seen it, and prayerfully read it again. You will be aware of Jesus in each and every interaction and word. Okay, now I have another confession. Why does the Lord always give me a scripture and a sermon that I most need to hear and you are just invited to listen in? Remember this vision for a future cover of Newsweek that Scott Dudley has placed before us as a Jesus goal? I thought, how impressive. New Newsweek? Now, I think God could do that but really, Scott, is that realistic? Now, Scott is on study leave, so he won't know what I said <laughs> unless he's live streaming and then I'm in trouble. <laughs> well, anyway, I looked at it and said, really? Newsweek? And then came the Seattle Times, July 12th, 2010. Really? Really. Our summer sermon series focuses on encounters with the real Jesus. What happens when we meet him and open our lives to him when we have conversations with our Lord? Today I would like to talk about Peter. A disciple of Jesus who professed great love and loyalty, but who fell far short of what we would expect of someone that knew Jesus so well. When I read the article in the Seattle Times about the Jubilee Reach Center, I knew that it was going to be a perfect example of Peter's one-and-one -one encounter with the resurrected Jesus. Well, you might be thinking, but that's been almost 2,000 years ago. How does that relate to Bellevue 2010? Well, let's ponder that question for just a moment. 
I believe that without Jesus' life and crucifixion, with all the events that surrounded it, including the abandonment of Jesus by Peter, we would not be here today. We would not have the resurrected Lord to follow. No First Presbyterian Church of Bellevue. No Jubilee Reach Center. No Center of Champions in Rwanda. No salvation. No godly mission. Nothing. Nothing but striving for power and influence. Hoping that there might be just something more. I can't imagine such a world. Can you? So I am going to call this part of the sermon the mission of the church within and without these walls. Mission of the church. All that goes on in Jesus' name is important. All our responses to Jesus' love for us are part of God's good plan. When we truly understand the price that Jesus paid for each one of us, each and every one of us, how can we but respond to Jesus' question, do you love me as I have loved you? And we clearly hear his command when we respond, yes, Lord. Feed my lambs. Tend my sheep. Feed my sheep. And follow me. In the scripture that I read, Jesus and Peter were again face to face with each other. Don't you think it must have been a very awkward moment? I can't help but put myself in Peter's place. I know what I had done that would deny Jesus. You might be saying to yourself, though, as you heard this read about Peter, because we know Peter was rather energetic and exuberant, and it wasn't the first time he got himself into difficulties. Peter, 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 how could you have denied Jesus? You walked with him, you talked with him, you ate with him, you saw his miracles. You professed your loyalty even unto death. You tried to protect him in the garden. You used your sword to cut off a soldier's ear. You knew that you had been chosen to be the rock upon which Jesus would build the church. You sound more like sawdust to me, Peter. What must it have been like for Peter to see the resurrected Lord? Not only see him, but share a meal. And then, and then have Jesus say, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Mingled with his joy at seeing Jesus again had to be the pain of acknowledging what he had done. You know, we can't run away from ourselves. In spite of his loud protestations that it would never, ever happen, Peter had indeed denied Jesus not once, not twice, but three times. He had turned his back on the one that he called Lord. 
He must have wondered what Jesus was thinking. I know I would have. He must have wondered if Jesus still wanted him to be around. Did Jesus still like him? Did Jesus love him? Did Peter feel shame, repentant? Did he wish for a do-over that he could undo what he had done? How could he look Jesus in the eye after what had happened? Did you notice that Jesus addressed him as Simon, son of John, the term that he used the very first time they met? Using the full name says, this is important, listen up. It's a little like when your children hear you say their full name, you know, first, last, and middle, and they know, uh-oh, this time I better respond or I'm in trouble because she means business. Was Jesus challenging their friendship? Peter would have known he deserved it. At their last meal together, he had boasted that he was not like the others. But a short time later, after Jesus' arrest, he had three times denied ever knowing him. I am not, he responded to the questions about his identity. How could something as horrible as that be forgiven? Be honest, don't you wonder that? Could that really be forgiven? But let's look at Jesus' response to Peter. And we begin to see that Jesus does indeed love Peter. Jesus loved him and called Peter to serve him in spite of his shortcomings in spite of what he had done. You know, we too may feel unworthy to be called by God to service. Our lives may not be exemplary. We may have done things that we are ashamed of. Yet Jesus calls us to serve others even in our brokenness. Indeed, without our brokenness, I don't know how effective we could be in helping someone else. Jesus, thank God, does not ask for perfection. He simply says, do you love me? Peter had denied Jesus three times. And now Jesus is giving him the opportunity to redeem himself, to be reinstated, to be forgiven, to be healed. Oh, I want that too. Don't you? At the Last Supper, Peter had declared he would lay down his life for Jesus. Yet shortly after, he denied ever having known him. And now as Jesus questions him, he is looking for that intense loyalty to show itself once again. Do you love me enough to leave these boats and your livelihood and your friends and again follow me? We can almost hear the frustration and hurt in Peter's response after hearing the question for the third time. How many times are you going to ask me, Lord? I told you I love you. You know I love you. I think that was the key. Jesus wanted him to realize that he loved Jesus 
Jesus already knew that. Peter was absolutely right. He knows what lies within our hearts. But he wanted Peter to say the words. Perhaps what Peter really wanted to say was, I am so sorry. I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. There is no more that Peter can say for himself. Jesus does not ask again. The threefold response to Jesus' questions has removed the stain of Peter's three denials. Did you put that together? The statement, I am not one of his disciples, is erased by the words, you know that I love you. Jesus didn't say to him, Peter, did you deny me? No, he said, Peter, do you love me? And now Jesus can commission him for the tasks ahead. There are no more words for Peter to say to show his love. But there are things that he can do. It is time now for action. Simon, son of John, feed my sheep. Each time Peter professes his love, Jesus responds with a command. Jesus wants to use him to carry on his ministry because he knew of Peter's love. The ministry of Jesus was to care for the flock and to reconcile the lost to God. The ministry did not end with the crucifixion. It is ongoing. Notice I didn't say it was ongoing. It is ongoing. Jesus did call Peter to establish the church and care for the people in Jesus' absence. Well, it is 2010 and Jesus still needs the church to feed the sheep. Indeed, it seems as if shepherding the flock is solely in the hands of the church. And I shake my head because I know that God's faith in us is great. It would have to be. We are called to be partners with Jesus to carry out his care plan for the world. Throughout the Gospels, we read of Jesus being the good shepherd. And it had been told that when the shepherd, Jesus, was struck down, the sheep would be without a shepherd. And there were other sheep that needed to be brought into the fold. Who was going to shepherd and care for them and bring them in? Each time Peter gave a declaration of his love, Jesus gave him a direction. Each time Peter declared his love, Jesus gave him something to do. The two are connected like this. It's not a matter of either or, but both and. Do you love me? Jesus asks. If you love me, feed my sheep. To be a shepherd of God's flock requires devotion and love. The sheep of all ages, needs and maturity, the little lambs, the young sheep, the mature sheep, in other words, the whole flock need care. Did you know that sometimes we are called to be the shepherd of the flock and the lambs? And sometimes we are the sheep and the lambs. Tend my flock. 
On a pastoral level, the little lambs are the people who are the weakest, neediest, most helpless in society. They too need to be fed and nurtured and cared for. There are shepherds and sheep in this church. I see women who gather to knit blankets and cancer hats. Feed my sheep. Hundreds teach vacation Bible school, Sunday school, confirmation. They travel with youth on trips. They assist with divorce recovery workshop, lead retreats, Bible studies, small groups. They cook meals. They provide transportation, visit the sick, send cards, make phone calls to say, How are you? Tend my flock. Deacons and homebound support ministers, prayer partners and inner healing prayer, spiritual direction and discernment reach out to members of the flock who are hurting. The after-school tutoring has influenced many young lives. You also respond to the Lord's direction with the food pantry, which helps feed the sheep who need physical nourishment. The homeless shelter, the music ministry, the end, the list is endless both the needs and the resources. And honestly, I have just mentioned a few because there are four weeks of sermons just listing all the activities that are involved through this church in tending the sheep. The opportunities to grow in love with Jesus are so numerous. It is well known that sheep are not very brilliant animals. They do not always make good choices. I know that because at one time in my life, I raised sheep. And the thing that sticks out in my mind is they would stand out in the rain, pouring rain, and their wool would get soaked, and it would get so heavy that they easily could fall over. And it was hard to get them up. They were really heavy. So we built a shelter. And the next time it rained... They stood outside and got wet. They do not always make good choices. They need someone to guide and guard and protect them. Sometimes the sheep get confused between what they want and what they need. During vacation Bible school, I had 10-year-old Daniel, my grandson, visiting with me. And one day on the way home, he said to me, Mama, how old were you when you got your first cell phone? <laughs> now, I knew where this was going. He's been wanting a cell phone, so I know that he thought, I'll ask my mom how old she was, and I can go home and tell my mother that she had one younger than I am. I really had to disappoint him and say, actually, Daniel, I've only had one for about eight years. It was a very quiet ride home. <laughs> Sometimes the sheep really do need guidance and help. But not only does it mean their physical needs, it also means the spiritual welfare of the sheep. To feed is to nourish or to supply the needs for the soul. The words feed and tend express the fullness of the task given to Peter. There are so many examples from the Jubilee Reach Center article of how the people who have volunteered there are tending the sheep. 
You know, it was in 2005 when that idea first became just a little seed in the mind of Scott Dudley and Brent Christie and some others. I know for a fact they never dreamed that the Jubilee Reach Center would be what it is today. They never dreamed that this would show up in the Seattle Times giving Jesus credit. Can you believe that? Please read the article again. See all the ways that the shepherds, us, are helping the lambs and the sheep in the Jubilee Reach Center. Do you love me, Jesus asked Peter. He asked the same personal question for us today. Do you love me? And if the answer is, of course I do, then Jesus' response is, then tend my sheep. But if you have not come to the place in your life where you can say, yes, Jesus, of course I do, then I would invite you to make that decision today. There will be people in the prayer room following the service where you can talk to them because there is nothing better than to be able to say to Jesus' question, do you love me? Then yes, Jesus, you know what is in my heart. Of course I do. Loving God, you have given us a challenge this day. We all have to be honest and admit there are times when we have not responded to your call for action, and that means we have denied you. So, Lord, remind us anew that what you ask us to do, you will always give us what is needed to do it and to do it well. For the task comes from you. And we are grateful for that because you know us completely. Bless us now as we go into this day looking to serve you so that we can say boldly, yes, Jesus, we love you. Amen.